Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Paddy, how are you this week? I am absolutely fantastic. Gary, is the only reason you absolutely sped through that because you are munching on jellies at the moment. Would that be an accurate statement? It would. That would be a very accurate statement, yes. And we're talking today about fat loss. And you think that's acceptable? Uh, yes, I'm basically force feeding myself in an attempt to gain weight. And uh, yeah, jellies uh, during podcasts is a very appropriate way of trying to facilitate that goal. And of course, you can eat whatever the fuck you want on a fat loss diet too. Um, which kind of you know dovetails in nicely with what we're talking about today, which is like, do you actually need to track, we'll call it the diet, but we're talking about like calories and macros specifically for fat loss, right? And what I mean by this is, like if you go on any social media these days, right, and you're in a health and fitness circle, you know, you go on Instagram, for example, you go to some you know random fitness influencer, they're probably their methods for fat loss. So they're like, you know, oh, here, this is how I got shredded. This is how I, uh, you know, encourage my clients to get fat loss, whatever, right? And the way most of them go about it is they will encourage you to track your calories and macros, right? That's the method. That's the be all and end all. Boom. Here's the method. See you later, right? They might be like, here's your calories. Here's your macros. Boom, right? And that is actually a perfectly viable approach. And don't get me wrong. I actually like that with a lot of people. I like it for its simplicity. I like it for the fact that it actually educates you quite a bit on nutrition in general, right? However, that's not the only way to go about this stuff, right? Like you don't actually need to actively track the diet to get the results that you're looking for, whether that's weight gain, whether that's weight loss, fat loss, whatever it is, right? Like you don't actively need to track the diet, right? And again, you go back to the previous you know, podcast in the series, like as we've discussed, it all comes back to calorie balance, right? So if you want to lose weight, you need to be eating in a calorie deficit, which means that you need to be consuming less food than you put out, right? Or you need to be putting out more energy, you know, exercising, neat maybe, um, than you consume, right? There needs to be some sort of mismatch between energy in and energy out, right? That's a requirement if we want to change our body composition and, um, you know, positively in either direction, right? Um, so that's the, the fundamentals of it. However, nowhere in, the, in that statement, you know, that calories in, calories out equation, does it state that you actually need to track your food, right? Nowhere does it say that you need to have an app that, you know, calculates your fat, your protein, your carbs, whatever, right? Now, I'm pretty sure that both of us would argue that that's a really beneficial strategy, at least some stage in your life to have, you know, tracked calories, macros, so that you understand, like you look at a chicken breast and you're like, yeah, I know roughly how much protein is in that. I know how much fat is in that. Like you're able to differentiate different foods and how much or how many calories are in them overall, but also the macronutrient breakdown of those foods as well, right? So I think it is a very valuable protocol, strategy, tool, whatever, right? But that does not mean it's the only tool, right? Does not mean it's the only way to get results. Now, in a, like our, our coach's corner, like we just, we, we kind of break it down into three different overall methods um, in terms of how you can get results with clients. Cause obviously coaches corner for all of those that are unaware, you know, we coach coaches in there to get better results with their clients. Right. But the way we break it down in there is we break it down into three tiers, right? And those tiers are, you know, 
you know, we'll call it habit-based change. And then there's portion control. And then there's like calorie and macro tracking, right? And within there, like obviously there are multiple shades within that. There's multiple different tools within that. There's different protocols that, you know, fall under each of those. There's also other things that, you know, don't actually fall under those different tiers. We don't really cover those because, you know, we would see them as potentially less effective or not as relevant for the populations we're likely to engage with, right? So as an individual, if you're looking for fat loss, you can do a number of things before ever ever needing to track calories and macros, right? There's a, like, the way I kind of break it down is into that tier system. And we'll walk you through that just really basically. And then we'll kind of go through a few different protocols that would fall under that just to make it a little bit more clear. So if we were to go to habit-based change, right? You could elicit fat loss by just changing your habits. No actual understanding of nutrition in general, apart from, okay, you know, calories are what need to be manipulated, right? You could engage in, you know, eating a little bit less food, maybe swapping out some foods that are higher calorie, like Gary was just eating some jellies there. You know, you might swap out some of, you know, those hyper, you know, dense calorie foods. You might swap them out for less calorie dense foods. You know, you're soft, like say Gary, for example, there, he's eating those jellies. He might've swapped that out for like an apple or something, you know, that might've actually lowered his calorie load, still got a little bit of sweetness or maybe sourness or whatever he was looking for from the diet. And boom, you know, calories are down a little bit. You know, he might swap out, he was drinking milk. He might swap out skimmed milk, right? And obviously look, Gary's trying to gain weight at the moment. So he might do the opposite of that. He might be like, right, I am drinking like skimmed milk or 1% milk or whatever. I'm actually going to go for, you know, whole milk, you know, full fat milk, you know? maybe even drink fucking cream. I don't know how Gary needs to get his calories in, right? Um, cream. Yeah. So like that's, you could do that. That's just habit-based change. We're just going to change a few little habits and that's going to lead to the outcome that we want overall, right? And again, these habits can be really all-encompassing. Like you can be doing like, you know, broad sweeping habits. Be like, oh, I'm going to skip breakfast. You know, that's a habit that you do. Um, and that can lead to, you know, a pretty substantial reduction in calories, you know? Um, there's a multitude within that, right? And we'll, we'll kind of come back to that in a second, right? So but the other one then we could do is portion control, right? And all of them are, all of the methods are effectively portion control. Like that's, the, it's what they are, like portion control, you're controlling your portions, right? Like what do you think calorie and macro tracking is? It's controlling your portions, right? But what I'm talking about here in terms of portion control is setting some, we'll call them food rules around how you're going to organize your plate, right? And again, we have different rules, you know, there's different, like if you look at like, you know, uh, the my plate from um, the American, what the fuck is that called? The nutrition, people who make nutrition advice in America. Uh, the NIH, CDC. <laughs> Whatever, anyway, right? Yeah. You know, they have a, a, a my plate, right? Um, and they use that to be like, right, this is how your plate should look if you're trying to control your portion sizes, you know, you're trying to lose weight, you're trying to manage your weight overall, right? And you can use something like that. You can make up different food rules in terms of like, oh, I'm going to have four meals per day. Each of those meals is going to have like a fist size portion of protein. It's going to have like, you know, two fist sizes of vegetables. It's going to have whatever, you know, like you can make up different food rules and um, so that you can manage your overall calorie load so that you can get the results that you want, right? And 
that can be effective overall. And for a lot of people, that's actually where I like to get them to, right? Now you can do that as a starting point. You can get them that starting point and be like, boom, we're actually at that starting point. And this is the method we're going to use for the rest of your life. But oftentimes, especially with the populations that we deal with, we'll introduce some calorie and macro tracking at first, which is the next thing, the tier three. And we use some calorie and macro tracking, really develop an understanding of nutrition, really develop an understanding of you know, the different constituents within the food. And then from that, we'll develop a practice where you don't need to keep tracking for the rest of your life. You know, you move back effectively, you might have even skipped it initially, but you move back to portion control, right? Like if you're eating, you know, relatively similar portion sizes every single day, relatively similar foods, like there's no need to actively, like actively track that, right? If we built an awareness around hunger, around, you know, listening to your, your body overall, like a lot of times people fall into the trap of just eating more food when they don't necessarily need to. Like I was only discussing this with a client the other day where like she was saying that she will just hit the number, you know, like she'll literally be like, you know, 2000 calories, we'll say, and she'd be at 1800 calories by the end of the day. And she's kind of like, yeah, I'm not really hungry. I'm not like, it's all good, but just because it says 2000 calories, she'll be like, I have to hit 2000 calories. Right. Which is beneficial in a way, especially if you're looking in a, like a weight gain context, you're like, sometimes you're not going to be hungry and you're still going to need to get the calories in. Like Gary, I presume you're not really all that hungry at the moment, you know, but you're still like, need to get that food in and so that's we don't always want to listen to the body you know sometimes we need to kind of put those signals to the side and you know consume a certain amount of calories and but for a lot of people for fat loss we do want to build a better awareness of hunger signals satiety signals that kind of stuff right and so we have effectively used that calorie tracking that calorie and macro tracking to circle back to get to a portion control method, right? Now, I've just given you a framework there, right? Now, only a portion of that or only a segment of that actively looked into like calorie and macro tracking, right? Now, calorie and macro tracking is fantastic as a tool. It teaches you a lot, or at least it can teach you a lot because I know a good few people use calorie and macro tracking and you know, they actually have no clue about the diet. You know, it's like, they're just like, oh, like I really don't know what foods are high in protein, fats, carbs. This is often the case, especially if you have a lot of calories to play with, you know, it's kind of like, you can just, you know, hit the targets fairly easily, right? Um, so like you can use it as a, a tool to educate and also you can just use it as a tool to blindly hit these numbers. You know, it's like you see people all the time doing this where they're just like, it doesn't matter food quality, it doesn't matter food timing. They're just like, as long as I hit these numbers, I'm good to go. And from a fat loss perspective, you know, that's, you know, doable. That's a, effective. You know, it's not optimal. It's by any means for health or performance or even like muscle gain or muscle retention, but it can be done, right? Um. But overall, that's the kind of framework, right? Now, do you have anything to say on that, Gary, initially? Because I know, like, that's, like, we could end the podcast here and be like, yeah, look, you don't need to track calories. There's other methods available to you. You can use some sort of portion control method. You can just, you know, modify your habits and still get into a calorie deficit. So nowhere in there do you need to, you know, track calories and macros to actually get results in terms of some fat loss. Now, if you're looking to get absolutely shredded, you're either going to need to track your calories and macros, or you're going to need to eat on a meal plan because 
you know, there's there's no other way to manage things, right? But we'll, we'll come to that in a second, right? Um, but do you have any thoughts on that initially, Gary, in terms of do we need to track calories and macros? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's a, it's a worthwhile thing to consider within the context of the overall energy balance because that's what we've discussed already. And if you think about, um, for example, drugs and surgery as, as something that you might think of as an outlier, you might say, oh, where does that fit in? That's not tier one, tier two, tier three or whatever. Isn't that something different? But what you're actually doing there is like with a lot of drugs that tend to be successful for um, weight loss, at least a lot of the modern ones for, for, for obesity, it tends to be the case that they actually just support appetite regulation a bit better than, you know, normal physiology. So you're basically re re what would you, how would you say you're getting the person back to a point where they're able to listen to their hunger cues, develop that awareness and be able to eat in a non-tracking way, effectively ad libitum while being able to regulate their body weight a bit better. So it still fits within that framework that the drugs are just helping someone to move along the spectrum of reducing their calories without it having to be um, having to take up as much willpower, I guess you could say surgery is the same, you know, surgery effectively acts in such a way that like with bariatric surgery, that you're basically either, you know, removing the stomach or reducing the size of the stomach in such a way that again, we're supporting, um, appetite regulation and limiting the amount of food that can come in. So overall, all these things still very much fit within that framework. And we're ultimately trying to get to a point where, you're able to better control the amount of calories that you're consuming. And that can be as a result of your physiology, because maybe you've got, there's the drugs or surgery or the foods that you're now consuming are better aligned with appetite regulation. So a higher protein diet, one that's higher in fiber, more fruits and vegetables, et cetera, that facilitates you maintaining those lower calories without actually tracking. So that's the important thing to understand here is that You'll see many people, you know, make recommendations like whether it be a, a low carbohydrate diet or a, a very high uh, protein diet or a very high fiber diet. All of these different prescriptions are ultimately aiming at the same thing, where you're trying to reduce the tendency to overconsume hyperpalatable foods and thus overconsume calories, and they all come to that same end of reducing your overall caloric intake. So whether you track or not is not really the important thing. It's achieving that goal of being in a deficit and how you go about achieving that is um, flexible, you know, within individuals um, and over time as well. And it is such an important thing to understand because I know a lot of people get fixated on a certain method because either that's what they were initially shown or that's what has been effective previously. But in reality, it's, it's just a case of finding a method that works for you, right? Finding a method that allows you to, in this case, be in a calorie deficit and then actually stick to that calorie deficit for a sustained amount of time and then set you up for longer term maintenance. Like, because like, you're not always going to be in a calorie deficit. Eventually you're going to want to get to maintenance calorie levels. You know, that's it's in the name, right? Um, so what I want to do is just cover a few different protocols i would say maybe systems i don't know right um but the first one is calorie tracking right has a huge amount of pros and cons as we've discussed great for teaching you about food great for being really anal with the diet being like if you wanted to get absolutely shredded like 
calorie tracking is probably like calorie and macro tracking is probably one of the best ways forward right especially given that the only other option if you're looking to get absolutely shredded is to eat off a meal plan because you need to control intake very precisely right now for the average person look that's just it's just not necessary you don't need to track calories to get the results that you want right however again as we've discussed it is something that we like people to do at least once in their lifetime so that they build up that understanding right and this is one of those things where like you'll get people that come to you and they say oh, well, I tried calorie tracking before. I just didn't like it. And then inevitably, when you go dig a little bit deeper into that, you're like, oh no, you tried eating in like a fucking thousand calorie deficit. No wonder you didn't like it, right? It wasn't the method that you didn't like necessarily. It was the poor diet structure that you didn't like, right? Or like they just, they were just looking at calories. They weren't really looking at their macros at all. And there was no like food education or anything like that, right? So that is something that we need to be aware of that, if you do have someone come to you or you feel like you in general are like, oh, I don't, I don't really like calorie tracking, calorie macro tracking. And um, that it might just be the case that you've had actually poor diet setup, right? Now, of course, there are individuals that just don't like having to track their food, having to get out an app and, you know, figure out how much of this or whatever. Um, and this is generally people who like to be way more, we'll call it spontaneous with the diet, right? They want to be like, right, I want to wake up in the morning and then decide what I'm going to have for breakfast. I'm going to go about my lunch, uh, like work and I'm not going to have a lunch with me. I'll just be like, you know, I'll get something in the shop or canteen or whatever, right? Like the same with the diet. They're like, all right, well, I'll have a, you know, I'll have a few different options. Maybe I might get a takeaway. Maybe I might cook food. They have a few different options at home, but there's no actual forethought. There's no actual planning going into that. And they're generally the more spontaneous and more we'll call it chaotic someone is with that kind of stuff, the more averse they are to calorie and macro tracking, right? And well, that's that's not necessarily true because a lot of people use that you know, calorie and macro tracking to allow them to have that chaotic, you know, uh, lifestyle with food because they're like, right, well, I can actually eat, you know, whatever I want throughout the day as long as I hit these targets at the end of it, right? But generally what happens is once you start calorie and macro tracking, you do start planning your food ahead a little bit better. You're like, okay, but if I need to hit these targets, I need to have a little bit more protein at breakfast or lunch because I can't, you know, stomach fucking, I don't know, 200 grams of protein in one meal at dinner time, right? It's like, it's not going to happen, right? So like people do start inherently starting to plan a little bit more and going, okay, these are different breakfasts that I might have that fit in with my overall, you know, calorie targets, macro targets, et cetera. Right. So generally calorie and macro tracking works really well for people that are a little bit more anal with this stuff. They like to dial in, you know, to the like very precise with this stuff. And, and also people that are like trying to get very lean. Right. So it is a good tool. It can work for some people. It can not work for some people. It's not the be all and end all, but it is a fantastic tool. Do you have anything to say on calorie and macro tracking, Gary? No, I think you covered that well. Fantastic, right? The next thing then is portion control, right? So this is obviously another method. And as we said earlier on, like this, this is also an effective method. This is actually our preferred method to get to, right? So Gary, talk us through portion control. What potentially would that look like from someone coming to it from the first time, right? They're just like, Oh, I don't know what to do with my diet. What should I do? 
and go to a portion control diet and then also talk to us through like what we kind of i always call it nutrition nirvana where i'm like you you kind of know what to eat you're just monitoring portions you've already done a stint of tracking you already know how to eat in a surplus you know how to eat in a deficit you know how to maintain you know how you should feel you know how to listen to your signals etc etc like what does portion control look like for them yeah so you know portion control is something that's actually quite easy to implement if you've got, you know, you're doing your shopping yourself, you're consistently preparing meals for yourself, etc. It's very easy to implement portion control then, because the thing is, you know, people sometimes get really hung up on, um, oh, should I have like a, a palm size protein serving or a fist size? And, you know, the hand is a nice way of implementing it. But at the same time, like many of the, like, let's say if we stick with protein sources in terms of meat, like they're often pre-portioned, you know, it's, it's kind of done for you in a sense that like, if you're having a salmon fillet, you know, it's very easy to say to someone as a, in, a, in prescribing portion control, you know, have one salmon fillet. Like, yeah, some of them might be 150 grams. Some of them might be 200 grams, but ultimately once something is consistent over time, you're able to make little tweaks here and there, you know, the same thing, like one medium chicken breast might be the portion that you're prescribing with regards to protein. And then you just aim to maintain that over time. And ultimately the, the aim of portion control is not just to restrict calories. Like that's not just the goal. It's also to make sure that you're getting your appropriate macronutrients. So that's why, you know, I started with protein there. It could be right. Roughly a palm size serving um, of protein might be something that you give to someone assuming they're consuming, let's say animal products might give them about 25 grams of protein or so. Um, of course that varies considerably with hand size and everything, but the idea is that it, scales together you know if you've got a bigger person and you want them to eat a much higher protein diet you might double up the portion or whatever but the hand can be useful so you can measure things in terms of size of your palm size of your fists uh, a handful and then also you know thumbs or finger size portions for things like fats so there are different things that we would um prescribe for people sometimes personally i'm more of a fan of having someone tell me what they like to eat on a regular basis and then getting a rough idea of what that portion would look like. So for example, it might be one medium chicken breast plus half a serving of microwave rice plus a fistful of vegetables. Like that's really simple to implement because if you get, if you're eating microwave rice, like there you go, that's two servings in the bag, one for now, one for tomorrow, you know, the chicken breast, it's already there. The portion is there. And then your vegetables take them out of the freezer, handful into the microwave, two minutes done. Simple. That's really simple to implement. But the good thing about portion control is that having rough, you know, ideas of, of what your portions should look like is also something that helps when you're eating out because you might get served up a big, meal let's say you go to a restaurant you get a carvery dinner like turkey and ham or something let's say and you know the plate is huge it's much bigger than you would normally have then you might just say right i'm gonna have um my fistful of uh, carbohydrates like i normally have and i'm gonna leave the rest behind um and then the same with the meat uh the meat looks roughly okay there's additional sauce so i just might factor that in by having a little bit less fat at my next meal, for example. So if you've got a rough meal structure, like a meal template that you stick to, that's a, a really nice way of, of structuring your meals. Um, obviously, it's something that requires tweaking then over time because you might come up with an initial structure. So for example, I might say, right, this person's on 
uh, requires around 2000 calories. So, you know, they're 70 kilos body weight and I want them to have 140 grams of protein. So I know they need to be getting over 40 grams per meal, let's say. Then we might initially put all that in practice. So say three meals, uh, you know, uh, fistful of our, of, of carbohydrates at each meal, um, two thumbfuls of fat at each meal and uh, a palm and a half, let's say of uh, protein at each meal and then over time what we might do is right you know weight loss is not happening we're trying to lose weight why don't we take out the fat for meal three and you can keep on uh going with your approach so that might mean you used to cook your uh eggs in that meal um as whole eggs in olive oil and now you're just having them as two whole eggs two whites or something like that so once you've got consistency it's quite easy to implement and there's other things that do fit into portion control as well um such as like it, it varies some people find things these things helpful some people not so much but um for example the the types of it might be types of spoon that you eat with you know a lot of bodybuilders do this where they will use a spoon to eat, a small spoon to eat their porridge a baby spoon instead of um a large tablespoon because effectively what they're doing then is self-regulating how fast they can eat and how much they can eat per bite it slows you down and there's kind of more intrinsic portion control uh, as a result of you feeling fuller a bit sooner so um there's there's little tips like that that can go along with portion control um, but i think that's the the nuts and bolts of it really 100 yeah, and like as you were saying like that's an easy approach to take whether you are coming to this from the start or you're coming to this from a really educated position around nutrition like you've calorie and macro tracked or whatever beforehand right now obviously it is easier to do if you already are able to decipher foods like you're like oh olive oil that's fats right i know that right um or you're again like you're saying eggs you might be like oh is that protein or is that fat like you don't know how to qualify the different macronutrient composition of these different foods right so it is obviously easier if you come to this with more nutritional knowledge however that's not to say that you can't build that knowledge over time right and this is especially a case if you use that kind of method that we use or like gary outlined there where it's like what are you currently eating right let's actually break that down right so this is okay this would be your protein source of this meal no there's actually no protein source of this meal so we need to bring one in here right like if you actually go through the structure that you currently have now this is obviously easy for us to do critiquing someone's diet effectively and um, but it's also something that you can do yourself if you again learn some you know basic nutrition stuff right um, and again this is why we generally use calorie and macro tracking initially because it kind of has that built in it kind of makes you more aware of protein carbs fats etc whereas if you don't do that initially it can be a little bit hard to educate yourself on that like it definitely can be done you know there was a time before calorie and macro tracking and people were still able to get in shape right um so that's portion control very handy you know very useful it's where we are you know we arguably get most people to go to right the next one is and we'll call it mindful eating right and again like these are shades within shades because if we're using mindful eating like that's we use that when we're portion control we use that when we're calorie and macro tracking but it is a distinct method in and of itself right and what i mean by mindful eating is like we're actually learning to listen to the internal cues, right? Of our body, right? Now, I would argue that this is pretty ineffective method unless we've already got some structure in place in terms of, you know, protein intake, in terms of vegetable intake, et cetera, because most people are going to have a terrible like hunger response unless they actually have 
an effective diet setup, right? So it kind of, you have to have other things in place before you utilize this method only. But once you're using another method, you know, again, your calorie macro tracking, you're doing whatever. And then you start layering on like mindful eating in terms of listening to your hunger cues, listening to, you know, how satiated you feel after that meal, how that meal makes you feel energy wise, you know, where you, how did you time that meal? Like, was this, did you eat it too soon? You're feeling bloated. Maybe did you eat it too far away? You were feeling hungry. You know, you were, you're a bit angry before your meal. Like what was going on? Right. And once we dial that in, we can actually dial in a lot of different things, right? So let's assume that calories and protein are already taken care of, right? Because they're the two big ones. You're probably going to need to use some sort of portion control and some sort of calorie macro tracking to get those dialed in, right? Not, not always, but for most people, that's an easier method. And if we then layer on some sort of like mindful eating where we're like, all right, we need to actually dial in on how do you feel in response to this meal? How do you feel when you get to this meal? How does it feel in terms of when this meal is timed? How does it feel, you know, everything about that meal? Like when, when do you feel hungry throughout that meal? When do you feel satiated? You know, like what, what are the actual responses to that? Are you actually tasting the meal? Is it good? You know, like that kind of stuff. We're asking ourselves these more subjective questions, right? Because it's, you know, it's, it's your response your individual response to it right and once we start dialing that in you can actually get so much granularity with the diet like you can you can start timing the diet down to an absolute t for you you know like it's absolutely you couldn't get it more perfectly right um so that is something that's really important regardless of the diet methods you use but it is also in and of itself a practice we could engage in so that we could be on track with a fat loss diet, right? Like you could start listening to hunger cues. You could start listening to, you know, satiety cues overall, right? Now the issue with this is in like say obesity, you might not have, we'll call it quote unquote normal, uh, you know, hunger cues. You might not have normal satiety cues. Like if you're eating absolute crap as well, you're probably not going to have normal hunger or satiety cues like you like anyone who's eating like say something like a mcdonald's or something you know yourself like you're literally hungry an hour later and you're like i've just eaten fucking a thousand calories how am i still hungry you know whereas if you had a thousand calories of i don't know fucking broccoli or something you'd be like i'm actually stuffed for three days you know <laughs> so it's like this is you, you need to already be on track with a lot of things to make mindful eating work effectively right because if this intuitive mindful eating approach just worked out the bat like you know out the gate you're just able to go for it like it would work for everyone that's all we'd say we just say oh listen to your hunger and that would solve everyone's fucking issue right and obviously that doesn't work like that you know there's a lot more nuance to it you do have to have a lot of things in place initially if we want this to work do you have anything to say on that kind of mindful eating approach uh, at all um, I suppose just just recognizing how this actually plays into your environment as well as something that is worth considering. Um, you know, I have a bad habit sometimes of, you know, taking my meals up here to my desk and like sitting down kind of half doing work, half trying to scoff my food down. And for me, it actually has the detrimental approach of uh, getting caught up with work. And because I'm not particularly hungry and I'm sort of eating beyond the point of fullness, I find it difficult to finish my meal. But for most people, what ends up happening is you're just scoffing down your meal. You're not even thinking about the food. You're not, in, you're not, you're not embracing the flavor profile. You're not asking yourself if you're getting full or anything. You're barely chewing your meal. 
you're just throwing it back and suddenly it's gone. So you weren't mindful at all because of those environmental distractions. Um, and that's something I try to do very, very frequently is to, you know, have meals separate to where I'm working, separate to other distractions and actually, you know, enjoy the food. That doesn't mean you can't like, I don't know, watch your favorite show while you eat your meal or whatever. But as a rule of thumb, especially when it comes to fat loss, slow down your eating and embrace the food, enjoy the food. Don't be like, you know, eating on the go. That's a, a very bad habit that personal trainers get into for no fault of their own. It's just a case of having very little time between clients. You're on the gym floor and you're absolutely scoffing down to me a lot of Tupperware. You know, you've, you've no chance to actually, you know, ask yourself, were you full to think about how hungry you are heading into the next meal? It's just scoff it down when you can. And um, probably not the best way uh, to, to get the full uh, benefits of your meal, uh, both in terms of the satiety response and mindful eating, but also like the ability to then digest that meal if you haven't even chewed it, you know? 100%, you know? Um, another one then, and we touched on it before, is just like using a meal plan, right? And there's obviously shades within this. It's not all good or bad because people always hear like meal plan and if you're in this like evidence-based world they're like oh meal plans are the fucking like so stupid um the fucking devil you know whereas you hear other people they're like oh i need a meal plan to help me lose weight can you give me a meal plan and it's like they think that there's just some magic you know combination of foods or you know some magic whatever that oh this meal plan is going to solve everything right you know meal plans like effectively every time you eat uh day's worth of food like that was a meal plan right that you had a plan for that food maybe you didn't have a plan proactively but if we were to look back on it it's like this is your set menu for that day if you will right like you could effectively just automate make your own meal plans if you're like this day was perfect in terms of my nutrition there you go there's your meal plan see you later right like you could use something like calorie and macro tracking make out a perfect day for you. You're like, all right, cool. This is how I have my breakfast. This is what I have for lunch. This is what I have for dinner. And you could basically have that as your template. You're like, there's my meal plan. That's what I eat most days, right? Now, that's obviously different than someone say, for example, like you go to a coach and they go, here's your 1200 calorie meal plan, or here's your 1600 calorie meal plan, or here's your 2000 calorie, whatever it is, right? Like, if you get that meal plan just out the gate and you have no understanding of nutrition overall, like eating a meal plan doesn't teach you a lot. All it teaches you is to, you know, it's basically paint by numbers. You know, it's like you wouldn't become a fantastic art artist, like painter, um, by just, you know, paint by numbers. For sure, it can help, you know, it can help you on your journey, but it's not going to be the thing that, you know, makes you, you know, world famous, right? Um, so it is something to be aware of that a meal plan is basically outsourcing a lot of stuff but it's not actually educating you, right? So it might produce results, but what happens as soon as you go off that meal plan, right? Or what happens if your life, you know, situation changes, your exercise habits go up or down or whatever. There's no, you don't know how to modify that. You just know how to stick to the meal plan. But like when you were getting results on that meal plan, you actually had a daily commute. You used to cycle to work or walk to work or whatever. And now you get the bus, right? And so you're, you know, non-exercise activity thermogenesis has changed now. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I used to stick to this meal plan and it was working and now it's not. Because you have no education on calorie balance. You know, you don't know these different inputs because you've just been following the meal plan, right? So there's clear negatives to this, but at the same time, like it can be done effectively. Like I've, you know, effectively helped clients with meal plans. You know, I always usually get them to make it themselves and be like, 
right? How do you think this is going to work for you, right? Okay, I think it could be better here, blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we kind of tweak it together, right? But that's different than just going, here's a meal plan, stick to that or see you later, right? Like we have to have an actual approach that's going to work for the individual long-term and then also take into account, you know, their individual food preferences, et cetera, right? Because this is also a huge thing where like, I couldn't believe, like, you wouldn't believe listening to this. You wouldn't believe the amount of meal plans that I've seen that people go, oh, this is what my ex, my old coach gave me or whatever. And you're like, but you just told me you're allergic to peanuts. And they're like, why are they telling you to fucking have peanut butter with your oats here? And they're like, yeah, I don't, they, they, they just said to do that. You know, I'm like, like this makes no sense like different things like that where it's like this is clearly just a copy and paste meal plan you know it's like there's actually it's not tailored it's not individualized whatever right so again there's shades within this a meal plan can be effective it can be ineffective it really just depends on first of all how you come to that and then what you actually get from that and what you're actually looking for right because when we like interview clients like potential clients i should say like I'm, I'm looking for this kind of stuff. I'm like, what are you actually looking to get from this service? Like, because we obviously do coaching, right? So I'm like, what are you trying to get from this service? And if you have someone that comes to you and they're like, I basically want to outsource everything. I want someone to tell me exactly what to eat. I'm like, that's not really what we're offering. Like we want to offer an education where it's like, you know how to eat for the rest of your life. You know, I don't want to have someone come to us again in 10 years time and be like, I need help again right because they're like i don't i don't know how to eat you know like that's in my mind i'm like we've we failed you right and we want to build something that's going to last a lifetime and the only way to do that is actually educate you and unfortunately meal plans don't really educate you in terms of what you need to eat long term it's like here you go here's a snapshot eat this forever it's not going to work one of the huge downfalls of meal plans is the fact that you can never actually socialize while eating a meal plan, right? Because what you, like, this is why like bodybuilders that follow meal plans, they all eat out of like Tupperware, right? They're all like eating out of like lunch boxes and stuff, right? Because they have to follow their meal plan. Oh, you're at your wedding? Doesn't matter. Meal plan. Oh, you're at a christening? Doesn't matter. Meal plan. Oh, you're at your fucking granny's funeral? Doesn't matter. Meal plan. You know, it's like, there's no... How do I actually navigate the real world? You're on a date, doesn't matter, meal plan, you know? It's like, oh, you want to socialize? Doesn't matter, meal plan, right? Like it's, like that's not the real world. You don't actually learn a skill. You don't know how to integrate your actual real life into your nutrition and vice versa, right? Um, so I'm not really a fan of meal plans. They can be effective for some people, but for most, it's something I kind of steer most people away for or from. Do you have any thoughts on meal plans, young Garoj? No, I'd agree with all of that. Fantastic. The next thing then is, and this is again, a little bit of a continuation of like, we'll call it the portion control stuff. It's like creating food rules, right? And what I mean by this, like obviously there's certain ways you can go about this that are negative or you know potentially harmful, such as, oh, our food rule is we're not eating carbohydrates or we're not eating fats or whatever, right? Um, that can potentially be a negative, right? But you can also create food rules overall, like, you know, intermittent fasting would basically be like a food rule. I'm like, I'm eating, my eating window is between here and here, or I'm doing like alternate day fasting, you know, it's again a food rule, right? Stuff like that. I'm not eating after like 6 p.m. It's a food rule, right? Or 7 p.m. or whatever makes sense, right? Like they're just rules that you've created. They're somewhat arbitrary, but they solve a problem for you, right? In terms of the diet, right? So let's say you're using, you're, you're pretty good with the calories. You're pretty good with overall everything, but you know, in the evening, that's your downfall. You have a, I don't know, 
packet of crisps, you know, some biscuits, you have some tea, and it's like it get it gets out of hand calorie wise. And you're like, if you can just cut that out, all of a sudden you're like, most of my problems are actually solved. If we have a food rule, and this is not necessarily to say that this is the way I would deal with that, but this is one way that people do deal with it, right? They'll be like, right, my food rule is I'm not going to eat after eight o'clock or whatever time it is, right? All of a sudden it gets rid of all of those extra calories that you know you didn't necessarily need and then all of a sudden you're like bro i'm actually able to get the results that i wanted you know and so there are different food rules portion control like the methods we've described earlier on they could fall under the category of food rules like we're just creating rules around food it's like oh you have to have this amount of portion size of protein and carbohydrates and fats and veg and whatever else right like they're, they're they're food rules some of them are somewhat arbitrary some of them are a bit more specific and but like it is this this concept of creating food rules, it is beneficial and potentially negative, right? Um, for example, like if we just go, oh, our food rule is we're not drinking alcohol, you know, it's like that might work, but it might also not work because it might be a case that like how you socialize with all your friends is alcohol. So it's like, do you now give up all your friends? You know, it's like, how, how are we going to navigate that? Like just creating a food rule isn't, going to solve that situation from you it's probably going to isolate you from your friends right um, and maybe you need to get new friends i don't know the situation but that is something that we need to be aware of so what are your thoughts on like just creating food rules to help us with the diet help us stick to a calorie deficit in this case because we're looking at fat loss what are your thoughts gary yeah i think food rules can actually be useful like i think there's like they get a lot of uh, negative rep in the fitness industry because there's obviously the case that if you have excessive food rules, that can become quite uh, disordered and you end up, you know, retracting socially, you know, you're not able to engage in social events and you have a really bad relationship with certain foods and the foods that you enjoy. Oh, excuse me, jeepers. No, you uh, Etc. Uh, but but there are some some good examples of food rules that could be useful useful. So for example, at the moment, I actually like getting a takeaway maybe once a week you know dare i say it but i like it only once a week yeah or some sort of like quite indulgent meal i would be able to save myself a lot of calories if i took that out per week that's obviously not what i want at the moment but it might be the case that let's say i was running a six-week fat loss phase where i was trying to lose weight a food rule that would be useful would be okay on Wednesday nights, instead of getting a takeaway, what I'm going to do um, is cook a a steak dinner for myself that will be 500 calories less. Boom. Saved 500 calories there. That's it. Done. Probably actually better for you would be cooking some like sushi. So you actually eat some fish. No, thank you. Um, So, yeah, you know, any meal of your choice, you can have a sushi if you wish. Um, But the basic idea there is that you're creating some sort of rule that is not necessarily overly restrictive. Like you're just not having a takeaway. Like that's not that bad, you know? Um, and you're only doing it for a certain period of time. You're not saying I will never have a takeaway again in my entire life. Cause that's what people do. And because they have that in their head, if they ever do have an opportunity to have whatever they've decided to restrict themselves, they go all out and don't control it at all because in their head, they're thinking, well, I'm not going to have the chance to do this again. So I may as well get it all out of my system. So you have to be careful with food rules in that sense. Like if you say, I'm never going to eat chocolate again, and you are the type of person who like chocolate is your favorite food, 
that's not going to work out too well because what's going to happen is two weeks down the line, someone's going to give you a square chocolate and you'll say, oh, well, I've messed it all up now. I may as well enjoy as much chocolate as I possibly can so that tomorrow I can go back to my zero tolerance rule, okay? And so when you're coming up with these rules, make sure they're reasonable, make sure they're things that you can actually stick to. It doesn't have to be something that you stick to forever, um, but it might be, you know, that some things actually are worth sticking to forever. You know, for example, it might be... um, when I sit down in the evening with my, uh, my cup of tea, you know, I have two biscuits and that's my rule, the two biscuit rule, you know, (laughs) just so that it's just something that's a piece of structure that you can then make into a habit and it just becomes the norm. Cause that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to make, um, these, uh, little rules and, and strategies into habits so that they are just your norm basically forever. Okay. Um, because yeah, that's, that's it really, you know, it's pretty simple. Come up with your own rules. Yeah. And all you need to do is form habits that are actually going to help you on your yeah. journey, right? Because effectively that means you're going to have to break old habits that are not effective for your journey, whatever your goal is, right? Um, but anyway, that kind of concludes, like there are other methods that you could use in terms of like, you know, rather than tracking, you know, calories in the diet or whatever, there are other ways of going about it, right? However, I want to just touch on relatively briefly uh, another side of this right because that is like do you need to track calorie expenditure meticulously right because we've basically been talking about a calorie equation the calories in calories out equation and we've been talking about it from the perspective of like let's manage these different things to manage the calories in side of things right but what about the calories outside of things right and there are various apps trackers you know even like you know something like counting your steps like all of these different things like they are ways of tracking your calorie output, right? Now, none of them are all that accurate. Like they, they can be quite accurate. Like we've been kind of trialing the, the whoop. I've found that to be remarkably accurate in terms of like how much my calorie expenditure is at in terms of like, if I eat the calories that it says my you know weekly average is at, I'm like, my weight maintains, you know? So some of them are pretty bang on right and some of them are pretty off however like i'm never going to use whoop you know here or some calorie tracker like i also have an apple watch you know i'm not going to use that to be like this is how i am overall modifying my diet right and i'm definitely not going to be using it from a perspective of like oh this is my day to day right this is today i only burned 2000 calories so i'm only allowed burn or i'm only allowed to eat 2000 calories right i'm definitely not doing that right however it is a great tool or it can be a great tool for keeping you on track with a lot of stuff especially the non exercise activity thermogenesis stuff like the the fidgeting the steps that kind of stuff right because most people overestimate how many calories they actually burn in a training session a gym training session at least um, and underestimate how many calories they actually burn day to day when they're actually active versus when they're not active, right? Like I was only talking to another client about this and they were saying that, oh, like I've gained weight and I'm doing the exact same stuff that I've always done. Um, what's the story here, right? And I was explaining to them that it's like, you have gained weight because there was a few events that you went to that you overconsumed calories, alcohol, et cetera, right? So there was a, a bump in calories in general, right? And you were effectively exercising or moving at maintenance. So you are not ever digging into what you've added. And this is how people add weight over years. Like they're 
you know, energy expenditure stays remarkably similar, but what happens is, you know, Christmas time, different events, they'll eat more and all of a sudden they gain five pounds, two kilos, whatever it is. Right. And they'll never actually dig into that. They'll never actually chip away at that. Right. They'll always just have that two kilos until the next event where they gain another kilo or another two kilos and their activity stays remarkably similar. Right. So they're like, I'm still getting my 10,000 steps per day or whatever it is, but it's like, you are effectively exercising at maintenance. You're not ever exercising above and beyond, or you're never actually eating in a, a deficit, right? And um, so a calorie tracker can be really good for that. You know, it can be a great tool for estimating, we'll say calorie expenditure day to day. It can definitely be a great tool if you are doing like mixed activities. Like, you know, as I said, like myself and Gary, we do like jujitsu and resistance training. Gary also does some jogging occasionally, I believe. Um, so for that, it's like, you know, it's, it can be very hard to understand your caloric demands without a lot of trial and error. Um, so it can be a fantastic tool. However, I'm not doing something like integrating my fitness pal and my Apple watch or something like that. Cause people do this all the time where they're like, they get their exercise burn and it'll modify their calories on my fitness pal. And that's just not a beneficial strategy overall. I just wouldn't do it. Do not integrate the two of them. It actually makes everything so much more complicated. I would not be modifying my day-to-day intake based on my day-to-day expenditure. We want to look at averages, right? The only time I would say I would caveat that with, okay, you can change it on a day-to-day is if you know your activity on that day is actually just wildly above and beyond what it normally is like normally you get seven thousand steps and one day i don't know you're in london right and you're like right i'm actually just going to walk around i want to visit you know different places and you're not using the tube for example and then all of a sudden you're at like 30 40 50 thousand steps like you easily could get that in a, in a big city you know walking around versus getting like public transport right so if you're going from seven thousand steps to fifty thousand steps i'm like there's obviously going to be a difference in your calorie expenditure, right? But I wouldn't be modifying it on the day-to-day in general. Like it, it, it's just, it makes things far more complicated. Would you agree with that, Gary? I'd agree with all of that. Fantastic. Well, that's, I have nothing else to say really. Um, yeah, calorie tracking uh, for the diet. It's not necessary. There are other methods. Calorie tracking for expenditure it can definitely be helpful for understanding your overall expenditure on a given day, on a given you know week. But realistically, we need to look at this stuff in terms of averages. So I wouldn't be using that calorie data to modify day-to-day stuff. I would be using it, looking at it on a, a week, a two-week, maybe even a month basis and being like, okay, this is where, you know, calorie expenditure roughly is at. And this is how I need to modify my eating and potentially even training as well accordingly. And this is this can be quite beneficial if you are someone that tends to overeat or undereat, or who's someone who is uh, we'll call them an over-exerciser. You know, you're like you just completely underestimate how much exercise you're actually doing. Having like a a workout tracker, like you know, again, like whoop, I, I quite like um having something like that where it's like, oh yeah, you're actually you're burning way more calories than you thought, right? Now, this also brings up the the thing where some people are just really awful at estimating fucking their diet, their training, everything. And for those people, being a bit more anal with stuff 
makes a lot more sense. Like you, I couldn't tell you the amount of people that again have come to us and said like, oh man, I eat so many calories, you know, I just have a fast metabolism. And then you actually dig into their diet and you're like, you're literally eating 2,100 calories. That like that's not so many calories. You know, the reason you think that is so many calories is because you have like two Weetabix for breakfast and then you have a fucking packet of crisps for lunch. And then at dinner time, when you're like, oh fuck, I actually need to eat like protein. I have to eat some food or whatever. You're like, you're struggling to get your, your food in then because you're just like, right, well, I actually, you know, I'm not able to get all the food that I want to get in. Now I'm stuffed. I'm not, I'm not hungry. Right. Whereas if you space that stuff out across the day, all of a sudden you're like, oh, getting calories in is so much fucking easier, you know? Um, or very often this happens a lot of times in younger, you know, teen males. They're like, all right, I sleep in until fucking two o'clock, you know, and they, are like oh it's so hard to get my calories in it's like yeah because you literally slept in for the vast majority of the day <laughs> you know it's like of course of course it's going to be hard you know and um, but anyway look i don't have anything else to say gary effectively we just need to come up with methods or tools or whatever that modify our habits so that we can create or find repeatable habits that allow you to effectively stay the course and put things on autopilot you know so you don't have to constantly be like oh do i need to track this or whatever you know it's like just find habits that allow you to put things on autopilot outstanding that's it and if you'd like help with that you can sign up for the triage method coaching service and work with one of our expert coaches to help you with your fat loss or other results so uh, that's an option you could also if you're a coach you want to learn more then as we said, we've got the Coach's Corner and you can subscribe to that to level up your education. You can also keep up with our content by following us all on social media, you know, follow Triage Method and then you'll find the rest of us. That's the best thing you can do on the old Instagram um, is probably best. Um, Other than that, we do have a newsletter which will be going out on Monday and you can subscribe to that. Um, It's probably too late by the time the podcast has uh, come out. So you can subscribe for the next newsletter that comes out but uh that just allows you to keep up with everything that we're producing and uh other than that uh share the podcast around if you enjoy it share with a friend share it in your story if you happen to peruse social media um and leave us a review if you can that'd be great fantastic and enjoy yourself guys